losing time. But the night crew still has work to do. Because there's one last customer who isn't satisfied. No, this crane keeps calling me. He's driving us nuts. Leave me alone. He wants to slash their prices. He wants to cut their inventory. to jump until they all drop. They know how to make you smile. You're already here, why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One's short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week. And all the horror stuff that they think is neat Hanging loose doing ridiculous reads Not cause we deserve it cause it's what we need Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne They argue about everything and drive each other so insane Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne it's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I am John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Chris, what's up, my friend? I'm on a tear. I'm on a murder spree. I'm coming in hot, hot, hot. Yeah, I guess so, man. You've been on your uh, world tour, uh, John Wayne tour 2021, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's great, man. Uh, yeah, you were in. Uh, tell us where you were. I went to Las Vegas and then I drove from Las Vegas all the all the way across the country to Pennsylvania. Jesus Stopped Christ. to visit my my mother in the mountains for a day and a half. That's nice. Um, yeah, it was very nice. It was nice. Um, nice visit. It was a nice breath because, you know, she lives out there in the like I, I committed a crime and I'm hiding from the police forever <laughs> places. Right. So it's just quiet and all this shit. Dude, I was throwing an auto auto like a real one. Like her husband has a few of them like legit ones. Yeah. And like they ha he has like this. The 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 thing that, that you kind of affix it to that you hold and you throw is made out of like uh antler like deer antler and nice. shit. it was fucking yeah. rad dude so i i threw i was throwing it pretty far i got pretty good at it, and then i broke it but uh that was a nice little break especially because the sh these trips are always just like fast 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 oh, anyway yeah. but then yeah, sure. you throw it into the blender of las vegas and then it's just like mm -hmm. just insane so it was good to catch our breath and then we went to monster mania down in philly and uh had a great time i was me and nick p dragging dragging him across the country wesley southard tabled uh both both places in pennsylvania we had separate tables but uh we you know, we were together still and in, in spirit and it was fun i've just been kind of like sleeping um since yeah. i got home monday afternoon gotta, gotta recharge after all that yeah it was brutal but 
it's cool. It was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, if, if you want to hear all the, I, I recap both of those conventions on the on my John Wayne Lied to You podcast. So if anyone out other wants to hear the detailed stories, uh, shoot on over to that feed and check it out uh, there. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. It was it was good. It's good to be back out there. It's uh, burning hot. How about yeah. you? Uh, I've been at home writing and uh, not really doing much of anything. Um, I, I told you before we went on, I, I went to the dentist today. I mean, that's like as about as exciting as my life is, really gets. So Yeah. But you did say also like things are getting a little bit more normal around you where, where you yeah. live in the undisclosed location. Like that's why mm-hmm. you, you went to the dentist for the first time. You said right. you went to a restaurant where people were like not wearing masks. And yeah. Like that. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just like a, a takeout you know, place. But, I, you know, I went inside and, uh, you know, yeah, you know, it was a local pizza place that I like. And, uh, you know, I was just getting uh, one of my. Philly cheesesteak sandwiches uh, nice. that I didn't, I didn't spill oh, it on myself your, this time. Your old, old cum pants sandwich, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oops. But yeah, no, but, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Who will help me? Who will pat me dry? Um, <laughs> <Bears>. <laughs> Meanwhile, bears just licking your fucking crotch. Dude. All right, that's oh, enough. Don't, okay, okay. Oh, don't talk about my daughter that way. Uh, I love bear. I know you do. She loves you. Um, she misses you. You need to come back to the compound sometime soon. You, you know? I well bring her down to the studio of evil too. You oh, know? I'm not going to Texas. What are you talking ah, about? <laughs> so anyway. Um anywho, uh Well, I've yeah, seen so, that across the country. The masks be people are definitely relaxing. Uh, yeah, I mean, the CDC the CDC, you know, like advise it's like, hey, if you've been vaccinated I mean, what's the point of us getting vaccinated if we are just gonna continue to wear the masks everywhere. So yeah, things are starting to loosen up, which is great. And I'm actually going to be getting back to the um, uh, circuit of conventions myself this summer. I'll be yeah. uh, I'll be one of the celebrity guests. Uh, ooh la la at uh, scares the care. Sex at uh, scares that scares that care uh, in mm-hmm. Virginia at the end of July. And I've got a few other conventions that'll be uh, coming up as well. I've committed to um, Connecticut Horror Fest. Nice. Um, and uh, probably some other ones I can't fully announce yet. Uh, but oh, uh, another one with Wes Southard in Minneapolis. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. He told me you were doing that. Cool. Crypt- Crypticon. Crypticon. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be doing that with him. Uh, so I'm excited about that. That'll be cool. Uh, and then oh, yeah. there's some other ones, but I can't really say for sure if I'm going or not yet. So well, we'll we'll definitely announce those here for sure when they when oh, you sure. know them and we'll, you know, we'll post them and stuff on the Chris and John Wayne uh, bulletin board. And by that, I mean the ones that are in those bathrooms all over the country that I've been yes, setting absolutely. up and I just put in the trucker bathrooms. I'm going to tack it right there up on the wall. Very good. Very good. That's where they belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where my phone number belongs, too. Oh, yeah. oh it does. <laughs> I'm sure you put it up there, too. Um, no, I'm, I'm very excited to get back into doing the conventions and the book signings. It's always great to, you know, see my writer friends again, meet with fans, meet new readers and stuff and just. It's just great to be with my people, you know, other horror fans. Uh, yeah. And I haven't done one since November of 2019. So uh, it'll be really good to get back to it. Yeah, man. We can't wait to get you back out there. It'll I'll be, be at Scares cool. too with you. Um, yeah. But we'll not be, we'll be together, but separated. But it doesn't matter. You oh, know? We'll, we'll still be hanging we'll still out. Be, we'll still be about. together. We'll still tear the place down. I, I mean, they still should have the live podcast thing and have us do it. I don't know, you know, why they're not doing that, but whatever. Yeah. Well, Maybe I we mean, could put the, that out there. 
Well, I mean, we'll see what happens because yeah, uh, yeah. you know, when I was, I was, you know, uh, Keen reached out to me, and like at at first, like there wasn't going to be any panels or any readings. But now that things are loosening up with COVID restrictions, now there will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, awesomely enough, I'm going to be on a panel that's about uh, collecting horror novelizations. Yeah, that I'm not on. I'm like, yeah. why the fuck am I not? On? <laughs> Wes is like, yeah, I'm on this novelization. I was like. I do yeah. a podcast with Chris in which we do this specifically collecting. Every week. I'm not on the goddamn panel. I know. But we are doing a reading together, which is cool. Which you is and cool. I, yeah. our reading block is together. So yeah, we'll have to cool. actually maybe plan something kind of different. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, the, like, I, I mean, I guess, you know, technically Wes is like one of the celebrity guests, so he should be on a panel. But like, I don't, not that I know of, I'll have to ask him, but I don't think he collects novelizations. We do. And we, we talk about them every week. Now, Scott Cole is doing it. And I think Adam Caesar is doing it as well. And yeah, they're and both, they, they they're know both about that. big into it. Yeah. Like, like Scott is super into it. I believe he's, they're going to be our, our moderator. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's way into it uh, and has an, a stunning collection. Um, so that I get. You know, but some of the other people, I'm like, well, you know, like they're all great, they're all good dudes and stuff. But like, I, I think you should be on it as well. So, well, we'll see. Maybe I'll protest it. Okay. But uh, oh, but you met, you brought up uh, Caesar, dude. Shouts out to him. He came by my table actually in Pennsylvania, and uh, congrats to him on his Bram Stoker yeah. Uh, yeah. award too. Congrats. So, yeah, he uh, he stopped by and said what's up, and we chatted for a little bit, and. Uh, it was good to see him because Philly is where he and he and Scott Cole live. That's their backyard. So, you know, I'm glad he came out to play for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, oh, hold on. Before we all right, I just want to say I got I got something in the mail this week that I okay. need. Yeah. Uh, shouts out like um, we we brought we talked about uh, her before on the podcast, but the uh, Shelly Rose Amelia, who does the Lunch Ladies Book Club podcast. She's also yeah. a huge baseball fan. She and her husband, Armand, fellow author, they are huge supporters of the Jacksonville Jumbo uh, Shrimp, who are the AAA baseball league team that feeds into the Miami Marlins. And they go to all the games. They're like the like he's like the mayor of the ballpark or some shit. But fucking uh, just out of nowhere, the kindness of like because she's awesome, sent me this fucking hat. Check this shit out, dude. Dude, look at this hat. I love it. You know, it's got the it's my style. It's got the flat brim. It's fitted to my to my hat to my head. You look, look like that. you look like Fifty Cent. Oh, he lives in Houston now. Do you know that? Oh, oh he so moved to but, Houston. He's so maybe like, that's it. Maybe he's your your father or something. Maybe, dude. No, Paul. <laughs> I'm shouts out to Paul Wall and Fifty Cent. I want Paul Wall to come on. But look, it's this little creature, dude. This jumbo shrimp. Yeah, he's like jum- wacky, uh, man. He's crazy looking, dude. He's a, he's a really buff shrimp. Yeah. Buff shrimp, man. I love it. So thank you, Shelly. And uh, go go jumbo shrimp and go Marlins unless you're playing the Astros, then lose. Go sports. <sighs> in other words, <laughs> I scored four touchdowns in one yeah. in one trip this whole time. Goddamn so. right. Goddamn right. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess we should get into the show now, huh? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, that brings us to our first segment, which is... Book of the Week. Book. Book. Book of the Week. Book Love of it. the Book of the Book of the Book of the Week. Week. Right. Week. I'm on Book of the Week this week. You and are. Um, 
so this week's book of the week comes from um, author and friend and fellow Texan Lucas Mangum. This is his latest American Garbage, it is called The Meager Rise and Massive Fall of a No-Name Rock Band. So this book is, uh, if you don't know who Lucas is, Lucas is, um, he wrote Gods of the Dark Web. He's uh, a splatterpunk. He won, he, he's, he won for that, didn't he? He's nominated. Uh, he's won awards. He's a, he's a great dude all around. I love the shit out of him. He lives in Texas and Austin, so we do a lot of stuff together. Um, but this is his latest book, and he's kind of doing like this self-release from his, directly from him through his website uh type of type of situation which uh kelby losak did recently shouts out another fellow texan author did with his uh recent release hurricane season which i picked up one of those they're limited to 200 and um it's it's an interesting thing they're doing so i i think uh i think it's going well if they you know i think they're moving these and these limited edition things and see i'd like to see how this where this goes but anyway um if I can read about a little bit about this uh, from Lucas, um, American Garbage. Uh, there's a lot you don't know about me. I used to be in a band. It's not something I really advertised because it was a long time ago, a different me. But we are not who we were yesterday, let alone 15 to 20 years ago. Still, we are haunted by the ghosts of who we were, of who we loved, of who hurt us, and who we aspired to be. You can grow and change, build a life far different than the one you envisioned, especially if you didn't expect to live past 30. Even so, your ghosts never really leave. These past few months, while hamstrung by genre and talking things through friends J. David Osborne and Kelby Losak, I planned a book untethered by conventions and tropes, one populated simply by people as real to me as those who shaped me. That book is American Garbage. And when I say past few months, I mean it. This is the most organic work of mine you're apt to read. I wrote it over the course of a month, edited it with, edited it with Kelby Losak, and placed an order through Bookmobile. Yes, Bookmobile. No Amazon. We bitch and bitch about their business practice and monopoly on the industry, but we still buy and publish through them without batting an eye. Not this time. You can pre-order the paperback of American Garbage directly through me that who's lucas mangum it's limited to 200 copies there are currently no plans to print more in other words once it's gone it will likely be gone indefinitely there will however be an audiobook narrated by kelby losak a true renaissance man available on Bandcamp in the very near future why not audible see above we can't take the power back with lip service what's it about it's about a 20-something trying to hold his band of burnout musicians together while battling his own mental illness and navigating his tumultuous, intimate relationships during these early years of the war on terror. Is it a memoir? Not quite. Call it autofiction. Is it horror? Let's call it horror adjacent. Picture Stand By Me in the post-9-11 landscape, and you'll be somewhat close to the mark. Very good. So... You know, it looks like he's, you know, this is, uh, I, I, I do know Lucas pretty well. So I, I, I've actually, he and I have done a, some, so he's brought some songs to me that I've played some guitar on that, you know, he was just working on, um, and stuff. And he, he has played in a couple of bands before. And I know, uh, from talking to him that he pulled from experience, you know, for this, for this book right here. Um, 
So I'm I'm very interested in getting this book, and there's only 200 of them. So you can go to lucasmangum.com to get one. That's L-U-C-A-S-M-A-N-G-U-M.com. And then also, as he said, the audio book will be available through Bandcamp. Um, uh, but I'm not going to bash Audible because you can also find Death Packs and Left Hand Pads <laughs> right, right. now available on Audible, narrated by John Wayne Caminale, me, the author. Uh, so, yeah, but um, I do appreciate that. And uh, I love Lucas, and uh, I think you guys should check this out while you have a chance. Very good. Everyone, check that out. Uh, shouts out, Lucas. Happy to hear you got a new one out. Uh, I did. I meant to say this at the top of the show, uh, okay. but I forgot. I have uh, I have a correction and then a pseudo-correction, uh, both uh, for, you know, from the last show. Uh, both were, were my mistake. Uh and I like it was funny, like with the one I looked it up right afterwards because I was like, did I get that right? Uh, we were talking about Tawny Katane and how uh, she was in uh, Witchboard. And I said, oh, you know, actually, like, oh, they made they made like 50 of those movies. And actually, I got it mixed up with Witchcraft, um, which, you know, Witchboard, there was only like two or three sequels. But Witchcraft, which was an uh, if you can imagine, was an even cheaper horror movie series from the <laughs> 80s and 90s. Uh, they made. They made a ton of them. They made like almost twenty, I think. Uh, oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. Like so, that's the one that I was that got mixed up with. So that's one correction. Uh, well, the other. Well, one... I have seen which board. Just to add on that, I have seen yeah, the which board. Yeah. We talked about that, but I I don't know if I didn't know there were sequels. I defer to you on that. But yeah, it's yeah, not just like it's not as many. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, gotcha. No, not not nearly as many. Yeah, I was saying, oh, they had like fifty sequels, and that's actually true about witchcraft, not which board. Uh, the other thing is when I was talking about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, and I realized this uh, because I was listening back to the show. I like to listen and think about you know things and kind of come up with ways we could you know make the show better or change things around. So I was listening to it, and I realized when I was talking about um, the the relationship uh, between uh, the man and the woman in it that I was like, well, you know, it's it wasn't rape; it was more like you know, a consensual, I didn't mean to imply that they actually did have sex because they never do in the book. Uh, it was something that she was pursuing. Uh, and he was, you know, he was too freaked out by it. Uh, you know, definitely didn't want to have sex with a white woman because it was like super taboo. Uh, and so that, I, I didn't say that they did, but it might have, I could see how it might have been misconstrued as that. Uh, so I just wanted to make that clear that, that they don't have any kind of sexual relationship to kill a monkey. Yeah. Well, so, I just want to own up to my mistakes. Hey, the corrections department was uh, livid. You know, I'm glad, oh, yeah, they're, glad a... they're glad you got that taken care of. You know, they were particularly mad about Witchboard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you, and you want I mean, which is a thinker, but not really, I guess. Can I, can I tell you one other thing that I meant to mention? Uh, I would love we, you to. Oh, thank you. Uh, that when we were talking about Tawny Katane, I, I, I should have mentioned uh, that. This was like maybe a month before uh, she died. Uh, my friend uh, Tangi, uh, I helped her out. I don't want to get into the whole story, but I, I helped her out with something. And like, so she wanted to thank me. And she bought me like a certified autographed nudie picture of Tony Katane as like her way of saying thank you to me. <laughs> like, like Beckett certified, like that type of shit. Yeah. Like, it's like um... comes with the whole certification that she actually signed it. And it's like a picture of her wearing this like leather outfit and she's like pulling it down so you can see one of her boobs. And it's like oh, her, and her heyday. it's her in her heyday with her big hair and everything. 
And I was like, thanks, Tangie. Only Tangie would buy me something like that. It was, it was really That's amazing. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, I have that. Uh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, they have the, the Beckett signature guy, like, now at these cons where you go get your, your signature certified by him and shit. Or you can bring shit that you're like, is this real? And he'll be like, sorry, buddy, you got ripped off. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty but yeah, so that's awesome that you got like a certified Tony Katana tit, tit pick. I love it. I yeah, love yeah. it. Dude, we got to start certifying our nudie picks, you know? We should. So people can't just, all those bootleggers out there. Exactly. Know? Yeah. We got to stop them. All right. Well, I guess that brings us to our next segment. Everybody's favorite, Ridiculous Reads. <laughs> ridiculous you all right so um this week for ridiculous reads uh i'm going to be reading from one that isn't necessarily ridiculous but it's a really interesting one and i thought it would appeal to our listeners um it's one that's a, a highly coveted uh movie novelization excuse me a uh, highly coveted movie novelization uh, that has been out of print for a long time and sells for a crazy amount of money online. But I happen to have it uh, thanks to my good friend, Thomas Mum. Uh, and this is also plays into uh, our upcoming theme that we're going to discuss later. And this is a little book called Halloween. What? This, this is the original. He has the original novelization with the uh, cover on it. No, this is the back cover. Oh, <laughs> I, just wanted to, okay. I just wanted to oh. show it to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, we could put we could put our non-real kids through college with that. I know, dude. I could buy a house <laughs> with this. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, you know, it doesn't have the cover and it's kind of beat up, so it probably wouldn't be worth all that much. Um, but uh, it is the original uh, novel from uh, published in 1979, a novel by Curtis Richards, uh, who which was actually a uh, pseudonym for Richard Curtis was the actual name of the the Jeremy's. author. Iron. Yeah, that's 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 true. I'm not just making that up. He, he went by that uh, as his writer name on these novelizations. Uh, what one a nerd, is, dude! What a nerd! Yes. He just switched his names. Come on, man. Well, have he an wanted, adventure. He wanted to have like his real name attached to like his own work and like the novelizations attached to a different name. You know, I would probably do the same thing. You know, uh, but I would. Triana Christopher, you would. No, by? I would. No, no, I wouldn't do that. That's what I, I mean. Like I know, I know. Else, it's, man. it's it's funny. It's funny. It's like it is funny. it's a it's a hiding in plain sight kind of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, so this goes along with uh, the John Carpenter's original Halloween. Uh, but I've actually uh, read through this and. It's a uh, it's a really interesting novelization because uh, he took many many liberties um, with the story and uh, you know author Curtis Richards uh, he put he put in a lot of like filler material that not only is not in the original movie Halloween but wasn't in the script at all at all uh, he took a lot of liberties with it and I read an interview with him. Uh, recently in a book called Taking Shape, which is all about the making of the Halloween films. A really good book. Uh, and I, so I read this interview with him and uh, he was saying like, like, yeah, like no one called him out on it. And like, he actually wasn't even given anything to work with. He wasn't given a copy of the script. He wasn't uh, really able to talk with John Carpenter or Deborah Hill or anyone involved in the movie. They basically were like, yeah, just go see the movie and give us a novel. 
And so that's what he did. But when, when like, you know, we take a movie like Halloween or any movie you and you write a novelization, you have to pad it with something uh, because a movie is paced much differently than a book. Uh, and so if he just went like shot for shot through the movie, it would be a very short, flimsy book. And they wanted, you know, uh, a full novel at uh, Bantam Books. The girth. Yeah, they, well, they, they wanted it to be a, a novel and not just like a little novelette, you know. Uh, so he had to pad it out. And so he just kind of created his own backstory. Uh, and he also kind of filled in a lot of the gaps uh, of Michael's history, like from when he was a kid before the murder and when he was a kid when he was in um, you know, the, the sanitarium as well. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, and I'm going to do a quick reading from the very beginning can I ask book. a real quick question before you about the book? Yep. So the stuff that he put into it, is that considered canon at all? Is that fall into any weird Halloween canon? I mean, where's wh where does that fit well, in? Well, it's it's when he wrote it, it's kind of all just new. And like I said, it's not and none of it is from the original script, let alone the original right. movie. Uh, but some of this stuff ended up being borrowed and transformed into later sequels, uh, which is really interesting. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit after I do the reading. Okay, cool. After right. the reading, I also have a, an interesting Halloween anecdote that I'd like to share that Halloween Absolutely. one. That, so. Sure, sure. Yeah. Now, okay, so I'm, I'm reading from the prologue, and I'm just going to read through the prologue. It's a couple of pages, but I think this will appeal to you know the hardcore horror fans, which is our audience. Um, particularly because this book is so hard to find. I think they'll enjoy it. So I'm just going to start with this. Now, keep in mind, this is the prologue to the original Halloween. This book came out before even Halloween 2 came out. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear, like some of it was, like I said a minute ago, uh, incorporated into some of the sequels and things. But this was, this was all from the mind of Curtis Richards at the time. Here we go. The horror started on the eve of Samhain in a foggy vale in Northern Ireland at the dawn of the Celtic race. And once started, it trod the earth forevermore, wreaking its savagery suddenly, swiftly, and with incredible ferocity. Then, its lust sated, it shrank back into the mists of time for a year, a decade, a generation perhaps. But it slept only and did not die, for it could not be killed. And on the eve before Samhain, it would stir, and if the lust were powerful enough, it would rise to fulfill the curse invoked so many Samhains before. Then the people would bolt their doors. Scant good it did them, for the thing laughed at locks and bolts. And besides, there, there were the unwary, always the unwary. Samhain, the druid festival of the dead. The summer had passed, and so too had that outburst of early fall warmth now known as Indian summer. The green had gone out of the land, the crops harvested, and the chill of winter had descended like an angel of death. The people, fearing the sun might never warm the land, held their festival to appease Muk Allah, their deity. On hillsides and in caves and daub and wattle huts, great fires were lit, to which the spirits of the departed were invited by their kingsmen to warm themselves, to be cheerful before the snows blanketed the earth. Druid priest divined who would 
live and die in the coming year, who would marry, bear children, wax rich, enjoy good health, and they attempted to hold at bay, through sacrifices and other rites, the witches and goblins that ran amok at that time, stealing infants, destroying crops, killing farm animals, and sometimes worse. Deidre was the third of the youngest daughter of the druid king Gwenwil. Her hair was sandy brown with amber highlights, her eyes sea green, her complexion cream and wild rose. She was already taller than her older sisters, and her early development had been the cause of much concern in the tribal community. The other virgins tittered with envy. The married women voiced disapproval and counseled her mother to marry her off before the girl yielded to her budding impulses. The young warriors eyed her yearningly, and the old warriors thought forbidden thoughts and reflected on their faded memories. His name was Enda. He was 15, and he loved Yudra with a secret passion that tortured him, and at night caused him to cry out in his sleep. When it became rumored that Deidre's father, the king, was preparing to offer her hand in marriage, Enda consulted his kinsmen and asked if they thought his suit would be looked upon with favor. He suspected what the answer would be, but his longing overcame his embarrassment. Oh, Deirdre, marry you, his father cackled, with your shriveled arm and your twitching mouth. For Enda had presented himself wrong and first when his mother birthed him, and the midwives had made a botch of his delivery. She would as soon marry a goat, howled his uncle. Oh, Buke, his brother added, pointing to the runty dog worrying a greasy bone in the corner of the hut. Besides, his father said, I'm told she's all but betrothed to Kalyan. Now there's a lad worthy of that wench's pretty hole. His uncle burst out. Okay, so pretty hole. We just gotta, we gotta say something. I, I mean, I, I just, just, and I also have to, I mean, are we also going to pass up her budding development and tittering in the yeah. same like sentence too? I mean, that's pretty good, right? I, yeah. I, I had to hold back on that, but this, yeah, this whole thing we got to address. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little, uh, a little bit Randy. He's kind of pulling you in with the sex appeal. Mm -hmm. Uh, his uncle burst out, raising his wine his wine skin to his fat lips, and they continued to discuss Deirdre's charms as Enda retreated miserably from the hut into the cold night. The boy suffered tortures such as only the adolescent can. At length, he determined on a plan. If he could somehow get directly Deirdre, to Deirdre, he would convince her that though he was ill-favored physically, he was in every other respect a fitting candidate for her hand. This was easier said than done, however, because the virgins were closely watched by their mothers or by truculent warrior brothers. Nevertheless, one day Enda seized an opportunity when Deidre went to fetch water from the stream at the foot of the hill. He followed her furtively, darting from tree to tree until he found her stooped over the stream, singing softly to herself as water filled her clay pitchers. Deidre, he called timidly. She turned and gasped eyes round with fright. You! What do you want? Her body tensed, and she seemed ready to bolt. I... I want to... The panic in her face alarmed him. He had expected to startle her, but had not imagined that he would... that she would greet him with such revulsion. He stepped forward, hand extending pacifically, but she jumped back, misinterpreting the gesture. She stumbled, 
<clears throat> almost falling into the stream, and Enda moved swiftly to rescue her. No! she shrieked. Get away from me, monster! She found her feet and burst into a run, crying, Help! Help! He means to rape me! A little presumptuous of her, but that's what she said. Enda's body had been deformed at birth, but not until that moment had his soul been deformed. And now it was Samhain, and Enda, who humiliated beyond reason, stood on the perimeter of the celebrants, dancing and chanting around the bonfire. In his left hand he held a fat wineskin, from which he drank often. In his right he held a foot-long butcher blade, which he used to cut the throats of pigs and chickens. His eyes were fixed bitterly on the figures of Deidre and Cullion, whirling exuberantly around the fire to the immense approval of the tribe. For their betrothal had been announced to the joy of re and relief of all. Enda's legs shook as his body trembled in the cold night, though the heat of the fire was intense. And when the couple parroted past him once more, he leapt like a wildcat on his twin prey. Unarmed, their elbows linked, they didn't have a chance. Enda's blade sliced easily through Cullion's jugular and windpipe. His legs kicked out in a grotesque finale to his dance of life. Then he fell like a slaughtered bull, dragging Deirdre downward. Her head turned away. She laughed, believing that her drunken partner had merely stumbled. Enda's blade caught her with caught her with laughter on her face, the same laughter that had mocked him after she had run safely into the arms of her tribesmen the day he had approached her at the stream. The highly honed weapon plunged into her breast up to the hilt. In the clamor, no one heard the expulsion of wind from her lungs, the gurgle of blood, the whimper, or saw the look of dreadful recognition as the light faded from her eyes. Except for Enda. The thrill of revenge was the last emotion Enda knew, for a moment later he was literally torn apart by the enraged tribe. Only his head and his heart were preserved, gathered up after the frenzy had subsided, at the request of the grieving king. After Deidre and Cullion were buried on the hollowed ground the following day, Enda's head and heart were carried to the summit of the Hill of Fiends, where cowards and other outcasts were left to rot unblessed. The king asked his shaman to pronounce a special curse over the remains of this vile murderer. Thy soul shall roam the earth till the end of time, reliving thy foul deed and thy foul punishment, and may the god Mokala visit every affliction upon thy spirit forevermore. The sky darkened, and lightning flashed. The day suddenly grew black and cold, and out of nowhere gusts of snow lashed the tribal party. In the history of the tribe, it had never snowed so early in the year. Satisfied that Muk Allah had heard his prayer, the shaman summoned his people to turn their backs on Enda and return to their bereft village. The celebration of Samhain's Eve was transmuted over the centuries. The invading Romans carried the tradition back to the English Isles, with them in the form of the Harvest Festival of Pomona. And the early Christians deemed their celebration Hallomas. The popes of the Middle Ages consecrated November 1st as All Saints Day, and All Hallows even slurred into Halloween as the holiday was transmuted over the next millennium. With the coming of modern civilization, the superstitions and traditions of the original festival lost their meaning and vitality. Token recognition could be seen in the custom of lighting candles and jack-o'-lanterns, hanging effigies of witches and goblins outside homes, and playing good-natured pranks that were a feeble cry from the mayhem of the old times. 
children paraded about in costumes whose significance had long ago lost their correspondence to the terror of evil that had once gripped the world at the onset of winter. Halloween, like many of the holidays, had become an empty sham, except that from time to time, the innocent frolic of all Hollows even was shattered by some brutal and inexplicable crime, and the original spirit of the celebration was brought home to a horrified world. Then the people would bolt their doors. Scant good it did them, and besides, there were always the unwary. That is the complete prologue of Halloween. Wow. Yeah. That not By Rob that. Zombie. No, no, but uh but he too did some things uh in his film that that uh, Curtis Richards did in this novel that I uh don't approve of. Um but anyway, that um that isn't what I was talking about with things I don't approve, but I'll I'll get to that. But isn't it interesting that this is the novelization of Halloween? Uh, and it starts off with a prologue all about druids and this the murder of this uh, spurned would-be lover. It is interesting. It is very yeah. interesting. <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's a completely yeah. interesting because you why where does that even come from? Like you look, that right. comes out of nowhere, you know. Now, but the they're funny... setting it up for like almost later kind of. Thing, well, he story was really. Lines. Yeah, yeah, he was really uh, just padding stuff at this point. Um, the the author of the book, uh, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, like a lot of this druid stuff uh, was somewhat incorporated into some of the sequels. Most yeah. notably, most notably Halloween Six, and most notably the producer's cut of Halloween Six. Uh, right. But Samhain, even just Samhain, uh, wasn't introduced in the first Halloween film. It was mentioned in the second film, Halloween Two, uh, where Michael leaves the word uh, on the chalkboard in the schoolhouse written in blood, and Doctor Loomis. Uh, pronounces it Samhain, uh, saying it wrong, which they also say it wrong in uh, Halloween 6, by the way. Uh, but uh, funny enough, they uh, they say it right in Halloween 3. Uh, so figure that out. Uh. <laughs> Shout out to Tom Atkins. That motherfucker had the longest line at Monster Mania this weekend. It lasted hours, dude. Hours of Tom Atkins signing shit, dude. Boom. Good for him. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Colonel Cochran actually says uh, Samhain correctly uh, in Halloween 3 and actually explains it correctly, as opposed to Dr. Loomis, uh, who in part two says that uh, Samhain is the name of the Lord of the Dead, which isn't true at all. It's, you know, for one thing, it's pronounced Samhain, and it's the festival of uh, the, the harvest season. Uh, yeah, we got to kick Malcolm McDowell's ass next time we see him, I think. That's not Probably. Dr. Loomis. Don't even. No. Who's no, Dr. No, Loomis? Donald Pleasant. Greg Nicotero? Donald Pleasance, you heathen. Uh, played, no, uh, I'm, I'm talking about Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2. Okay. But speaking of Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie made a terrible mistake in giving a backstory to Michael Myers. Uh, that is a terrible mistake because it takes away from the mystique of the character uh, by making him just like, you know, this kid who grew up in a white trash home and was abused and like tortured animals when he was young. It, 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 it's like, so like, well, yeah, of course he turned into a, a murderer, but in the original, there's none of that. And it makes him more frightening. It makes him more of the boogeyman rather than this generic white trash serial killer, like Henry Lee Lucas or Otis tool or something. Uh, so that that's one of the big mistakes that he made. And it's also a mistake that I feel is made in this novel. Uh, while, um, but it's not for the same reason. Um, 
you know, Rob Zombie, because he doesn't know how to do anything else, made all of his characters in Halloween white trash, you know, crazy rednecks that say fuck every five seconds. Uh, that is not the case in this novel. In this novel, um, they give a backstory, like right after the prologue, chapter one starts with uh, the Myers family and Michael does something he's ne had never done up to that point is he actually speaks. He actually has dialogue. As we all know, in the first film, he doesn't say a word and he didn't say a word until uh, those Rob Zombie movies, as far as I know. Uh, so um, and I and I do know because I I love this series and I've seen them all and I've studied them all relentlessly. But anyway, uh, so it starts off and like Michael and his mom are at the, the uh, his grandmother's house uh, and his grandmother is like from the old country or like at least has stories from the old country. And she's like telling him scary stories and he's eating it up. Uh, and he like shows off his costume to his grandmother. It's like, I'm going to be a clown. And she's like, Oh, these costumes today, they're nothing like the ghosts and goblins of the old days, whatever. Uh, but then like Michael goes to try on the costume so he can show his grandmother. And like the grandmother and Michael's mother have this conversation about how Michael's been having these problems and they think he has mental problems. He's been hearing voices and all this shit. Uh, and, and then you find out a little bit later, the grandmother talks about how Michael's great grandfather also heard voices and it led him to shoot some people at a fall festival and kill some people. Uh, yeah. so there's like this, you know, like this legacy of murder in the Myers family that's kind of been buried. Um, and then, uh, you know, we get to the actual Halloween stuff, uh, where, you know, you, you get to. Uh, where Michael kills Judith, his sister, which is the opening of the Carpenter film. Uh, but then, as we all know, in, in the movie, it jumps to when he's 21 and he escapes from the asylum that he's been in his whole life. Uh, whereas in the book, because he needed to pad it out and make it, you know, more of a story, uh, we get all these scenes of like Loomis and Michael Myers uh, when he's younger and like their relationship in the sanitarium, Smith's Grove. And we get to find out like why Loomis thought Michael was such a threat. Like, you know, he says in, um, he, well, he technically says it in, in the TV cut of uh, Halloween, not the theatrical cut. Uh, it was one of the extra scenes that they had to film in order to film the two hour time slot uh, when the, uh, it was bought by the networks. Um, so the, those are great scenes. But it, but he says at the hearing that uh, in that scene, you know, that Michael Myers is the most dangerous patient I've ever observed. Uh, and we don't really understand why he thinks that. Like, if you if you think about it a little bit, like when you're watching the original theatrical cut, you're like, why does he think that? Particularly like he like Michael has never said a word or has been virtually catatonic. Uh, and so Curtis Richards in this book, he kind of gave reasons for that like it's almost like this weird psychic ability thing where it's like this kid who um who like bullied michael in sanitarium he comes out with this horrible like stomach problem and like one of the nurses who was who gave him an injection that he didn't want it or something like she like f falls to her death and like like things like that starts to happen like this one kid gets a rash that's really bad after he fucks with michael and like so it's like this weird psychic thing which was never remotely involved in um in in the halloween movie and then after that it goes into basically just like a play-by-play -play of uh of the halloween night 1978 where michael stocks laurie strode and her friends um so thank you for indulging me i just thought it'd be an interesting thing to no, that's a, interesting he went like 
he just really did his own thing for that whole. He totally made thing. up his own so, shit. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, that, and, but it's it's also funny because, like I said, uh, they ended up taking some things from this and working it into the uh, sequels. Yeah, like the druid uh, stuff, like we were saying. Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, particularly in part six, uh, where the original screenwriter and I mentioned this before when we really delved into all these movies. Uh, he was an extreme fan of the Halloween series, and he had kind of made a Bible. Like, he made this whole notebook that linked all of the interchanging stories from the novelizations and the movies and everything else uh, before he wrote the script uh, for Halloween 6. He actually presented this thing, this tome, to Mustafa Akkad uh, and eventually got the job because of that. And, of course, Halloween 6 ended up being butchered and taken apart. and Like, it was one of the biggest messes in horror movie history. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, that's where the whole druid thing really came from with that. Um, but also like there's the mark of thorn, which is used in part five, as well as Jamie Lloyd's uh, or um, uh, psychic ability, which was really just a cop out for writing why she ended the way she did in part four, where she turned evil, which I personally think is the best possible ending. Um, but anyway, I, I, I can go on forever about Halloween and all of my. Yeah. Uh, nerdisms and 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 we probably will do further halloween pick apart episodes in the future i i i can see uh more concentrated on things but that was a that was great man that was that was very cool um that's super interesting uh uh, just another thing like we're talking about the original halloween tony moran who plays uh michael myers who wears the the michael myers uh yeah the unmasked yeah when they when they take him he's the unmasked one yeah that motherfucker parties his ass off at these conventions, dude. In Vegas, I was drinking with this guy Saturday night till I, it was like 4 a.m. Dude, I like showed up at the bar like late and he was there. And Tony Todd shows up out of nowhere. People, it's It was like Norm walked in and people were yeah, like, yeah. Tony, because he wasn't supposed to be at that Day of the Dead. <laughs> he just like dropped it. Exactly. He just like dropped in and he's like oh, got wow. fucking his hat on. He's got like a fucking, you know, he's all pimped out. He's Tony oh, Todd, yeah. dude. That's he just nice. drops it on the bar. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So like the, on Sunday, like so he's like he signed and shit on Sunday, just set up a table. But he just like dropped in. But like, dude, I was like literally all everyone was like, OK, we're all going to bed like Tony Moran in the elevator with me, like going like to our floors like, all right, good night, dude. See you in a couple hours, you know. Yeah. Um, very cool. So Tony Moran That's parties, cool. Halloween <laughs> and Tony Todd parties as well. Candy man. You know, what's funny. One, one quick thing I'll add is because um, I didn't know this until I was reading um, that book, um, Taking Shape, part one. Uh, is that the kid who played young Michael Myers uh, in the opening of the film is the same kid that they used for the uh, extended scene TV cut um, a few years later when they were actually, they, they filmed all that when they were filming, uh, filming Halloween too. Uh, it's like they, there's a scene where uh, Loomis is with young Michael Myers while he's at Smith's Grove and the kid's just like the kid, Michael's just staring out into the window uh, and it's a really great scene. Like the the whole like Deborah Hill said this too, where it's like all those scenes really should have been in the movie, in the original movie anyway, because they're so good. Particularly mm-hmm. the scenes with Loomis in the in the hospital, uh, or in the psychiatric hospital. I mean, um, but yeah, it was like that kid is the same actor, and like I didn't know that. I've seen that a million times. You know, I have that oh, cut. Oh yeah, and I prefer that cut uh, actually, um, particularly because they released it with like the full movie intact because they they 
when they first showed the, it on TV, they had to cut some of the kills. They had to cut PJ Soul's uh, titties out of it. Uh, but when they released it on Unfortunately. DVD, right, right. But when they released it on DVD a few years back, and I think it's out of print now, but um, I think you can get it on the box set. Uh, it was cool because what they did is they gave you all of the everything. Like you get all the kills, you get the boobs, uh, but they inserted all the TV scenes. Uh, so like that's the one I watch every time. Uh, I love that one. Um, I know it's maybe sacrilegious to some to be like, oh, the original's perfect. It is, but I love these extra scenes. Uh, so anything awesome. with more Loomis makes me happy. Yeah, that's one of the reasons yeah. I like the producer's cut of Halloween 6, even though it's not good. It has more Loomis. So, Hey, you know, the more Loomis, the Bloomis. <laughs> so I really think out there, like if you took the producer's cut of Halloween 6 and the theatrical cut and put and like took things from each one they could make like an awesome cut uh it still wouldn't be the greatest uh because it's a very heavily flawed film but you know like uh, the, the theatrical cut has great kills the producer's cut has more loomis like if you could kind of like compromise and bring those together if someone out there is listening and could do that for me it'd be much appreciated anyway i'm done oh, yeah i'm done, I'm done. no very good very good um I for like I said I've foreseen our future possibly our next Halloween coming up maybe we pull apart the Halloween films uh oh, you one know, at a time all week oh, so oh, it's a little foreshadowing idea. it's a foreshadowing maybe I think that's a good idea oh what's that phone's oh, ringing dude the phone's ringing the Corey hotline yeah oh my goodness everyone the Corey hotline. As you know or do not know, the Corey Hotline is available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, eight days a week if you play in the Beatles, or if you are a paperback writer. The number to this Corey Hotline, which we love so much, 832-930-1347. That's 832-930-1347. Now, a couple of things with the Corey Hotline. We're going to make a little, couple little changes here. You right. know, We appreciate everyone's calls. You guys rock and roll, uh, you know, but we to keep the show on track and, and not to go completely off the rails. We have to do some things. We're, we're going to take one, maybe two calls a week, but we're, we're really going to focus on one call of the week, I think. Um, yeah. So that's what it's going to be from now on. You know, it doesn't mean if you called like a few weeks ago or something, we won't use your call eventually. But we're only we're, we're going to just stick to like one call a week, really, to just streamline it so we can get into our topic and. And really right. get get into the right. heart of what we're doing. So, so exactly. that's our, show, our our shows go long anyway. So we need to kind of we're trying to trim a little bit. Um, and so we love you. We appreciate the calls. Uh, I would like to add that when you do call, try to keep it pithy. Try to you know get to your question, uh, and that way we can answer as many questions as possible. Yeah, but just know, like, and again, don't don't stop calling. Don't stop believing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get to your calls. We appreciate them, but just again, we're just gonna try to do this one one call at a time, and uh, you know, we're gonna go from there. So today, let's we're gonna here's the call of the week, shall we say? All Are right. you ready for this, Chris Christopher? Bring it, Christopher. What's up, Chris and John Wayne? This is Night Stalkers co butcher Ryan Harding. Finally calling you talking Ooh. about Angel Bait on the short story episode. I've been caught up on episodes, but not on live, so I wanted to belatedly say I appreciate that a lot and mention some more names. Um, I had a similar introduction with short stories as Chris did, mainly with Stephen King and Clive Barker and later on Lovecraft. 
collections were usually a little scarce, but there were some pivotal anthologies I read around high school and college, like David Scow's Silver Screen. Mm, right, right. Spectre's Book of the Dead 1 and 2 and Tom Monteleone's Borderlands series. I was also fascinated by the stories in Peter Straub's Houses Without Doors, which I revisited a lot, and Brett Easton Ellis's The Informers had a big influence on me. Love that. The Informers is why the stories in Genital Grinder are all all interconnected. Mm, Brian Hodges' Convulsion Factory also made a big impression on me in the mid-'90s, but um, Moving on to this century, there are some great stories in Chuck Palahniuk's Haunted and Make Sto- make Something Up, stories you can't unread. Mm-hmm. Guts is one of those stories I wish I'd written. Um, when the Darkness Falls by J.F. Gonzalez just came back into print, which I liked a lot and would highly recommend people check out, especially if they're only familiar with his book, Survivor. Most of the Brian Keene stories are collected in three volumes. I'm still catching up on those, but I love the first one, Blood on the Page. Mm-hmm. Bentley Little, who you talked about, is always a must-read for me, short stories or oh, novels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the best short story writers now is Brian Evanson. He mostly does collections, and there's always some standout uh, stories in those. He has a new one coming out later this year. I was inspired to revisit Edward Lee collections after the Mr. Torso discussion because it's been quite a while since I read those. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Probably close to 20 years. So I had a lot of fun with Tara and Sanus and Grimwire Diaboli, which just vile and hilarious stuff. Oh, it actually yeah. <laughs> feels even more subversive now than it did back then. Right, yeah. I have to say I'm in agreement with both of you about the claim that novellas are the perfect medium for horror. There's obviously a lot of great examples like uh, The Mist, The right. Hellbound Heart, The Pig, or Chandler Morrison's Dead Inside, but Novellas, for me, are kind of like a band releasing an EP when I want a full-length album. It's not quite enough to pull you into the world a lot of times. Mm, good point. Speaking of collections, Chris's Blood Relations is in the running for the Splatterpunk Award this year, which I wanted to reiterate was a great book that would definitely deserve to win. Thank you, and man. Wayne, not on the subject of collections, but I enjoyed the trip of Mage of the Hellmouth, and we'll look forward to catching oh, up shit. with your other cool. stuff. So I can say that I see what you did there, Mr. Saturday Night. Hopefully, <laughs> hey. we'll be able to hang out in August. Oh, so that it got cut off, but he okay. the, he did okay. he did call back to finish, so we can hear the rest of okay. his call. If that's all right. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess your answering machine was telling me I drifted past short story territory into novella. <laughs> I was just concluding by saying I really enjoyed Maids of the Hellmouth, John Wayne, and I look forward to catching really up on that. your other books so I can say I see what you did there, Mr. Saturday Night. And I hope we get to hang out again, uh, hang out in uh, August if you're still coming out to that one convention. All right, guys, thanks again. I'll catch you on the Hori, <laughs> Corey hotline. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. Maybe Brian, we the, have the Hori hotline. The, the, the Hori hotline is a totally different thing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that one uh, you got to pay for. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 got like that's a five dollars for the first minute, you know, fifty nine cents each additional. So yeah. rather than call extra, just hang up. And call. Hang up, just like Daddy, <laughs> I save you money. <laughs> After the first minute, I'd hang up and call back. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for for calling in. We all we very much appreciate it. Uh, Ryan Harding, uh, excellent, most excellent author, and uh, like you said, co-author of Night Stalkers with you. Uh, Christopher, which I I read recently and enjoyed very very much. Devoured actually, devoured that book. Nice, uh, thank you. That's and good. it goes 
it kind of goes along with our thing this week a little bit. It, oh, totally. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, it's 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 good to hear. It's it's uh, I appreciate hearing from Ryan about what he thought about the short story collections and get his take on some some of those things. And uh, it was just good to hear from him. Absolutely, always great to hear from Ryan. And yeah, he absolutely mentioned some great books, great uh, short story collections. So thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much. Um, uh, so I, like I said, we're going to do a call of the week. So that's really our call of the week. But we have to do one more special thing because I just I am I am exercising my uh, veto powers. Very short, very <laughs> hey, short. I, and sweet. I, I, I'm, I you, agree I know, with you on this. You're with, yeah. me. You're with me. You're with I'm me. Not, I'm not vetoing. We're not. Veto- this is like our collective powers. But uh, this is a very special call that I think we need to, to listen to. So. something up with you both. I only Googled these girls in one cup. I did not. <laughs> the second time you insinuated that I watched them. So I just Thanks. Love the show. Have a good day. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> So, so, okay. So Joanna, God, I love you so much. Thank you for listening. She, this is like OG style, Joanna calling up from the beginning. She was, she was, she was with us and we are nothing. And now like, she's always stayed with us and we're still still now, even though we're still nothing, still nothing. But here's the thing. (laughs) The fact that you have to call and make a message lets me know that you have definitely watched it so uh <laughs> anyway moving right along <laughs> thanks for calling you can call every week 832-930-1347 into the cory hotline leave us a message and like i said we're doing a call a week and hopefully we're we you know we'll get to your call eventually down the line so leave those messages and ask those questions and, and we appreciate it absolutely we love you so that wraps up the cory hotline uh we mm. thank everyone for calling uh so now we're going to get into uh, our the bulk of our show, uh, even though we, it's probably half of our show because we go so damn long. We're the, the bulk of the series, dude. Particularly me, I I, I went on pretty long with the uh, uh, the ridiculous read uh, because I thought it was interesting. Uh, but the reason I picked Halloween for this week is because uh, it's summertime. Uh, in fact, Memorial Day weekend is is coming up here, uh, and so that's like the unofficial start of summer. Uh, and we mentioned this uh, last year on the show, uh, and you know we've been doing this show almost a year now, which is pretty cool. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're like have, to have a birthday cake celebration. We should, yeah, yeah, with like thirty-three candles, man. Thirty-three. Yep. Fucking thirty-three. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, uh, we, we mentioned this last year. Uh, you know, we talked about how like summer, you know, at least to me. Uh, always bring slasher movies to mind. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, Friday 13th being summer camp, sleepaway camp, same thing, the burning, like it, it, it all just, a lot of these movies take place at summer uh, and summer camps. Uh, of course, there are exceptions, of course, Halloween uh, and um, <clears throat> uh, uh, blood rage is on Thanksgiving, you know, stuff like that. Um, but regardless of all that, particularly because Friday 13th was so, uh, epic and uh, went on for so many sequels. I always think of slasher movies in the in the summer, and that's when I usually watch them. Yeah, and I would say also like regardless of when they take place at a, at a period of time in your life when it's the summertime when you can stay up late, that's when you would stay up and watch a bunch of horror movies. Yeah, or, you that's know, true. Because because yeah, you yeah. don't have to go to school the next day. At least right, like in my right. case, yeah, you know, yeah. I'd watch up 
all night, you know, and I'd be like jerking my little boner and watching the horror movies. There you go, man. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. So like, th- th- I think that was the experience for a lot of us uh, growing up too, is like not having to go to school the next day. And so like we would watch these slasher films. Um, and uh, of course, you know, the slasher movies were a huge sensation uh, in from the late seventies to the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really had their peak in the early eighties. Uh, that's when it really got crazy. Uh, but, uh, of course we've talked, you know, about Halloween and, and, and Freddie and Jason and like a lot of these big, big name, uh, the, the, the top tier slashers before. Uh, but what we wanted to do this summer is we decided to do something a little different and talk about, uh, the lesser known slasher films, uh, the unsung heroes and mm-hmm. losers and losers of, well. uh, of the slasher genre. Uh, because there are all these other movies out there, like The Forest and Madman and Slumber Party Massacre, um, you know, uh, Final Exam, and, and on and on, uh, that that uh, some people know, some people that are into the deep cuts, and other people may not know. And some of them are ones that I think horror fans li- that listen to the show may not be aware of and might want to check out. Right. Uh, so that is what we're going to be doing this summer, and so that begins the summer of slashers. Oh, oh, you scared oh. me. <laughs> yeah, summer oh, oh slashers. Oh, my stocks. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so all summer we're slashing it up. We're also going to have some special guests coming up. You know, we're not we going to say anything now. We don't no. want to spill the milk or the pre-cum, if you will. But there's going to be some special people here right. uh, to weigh in on some of this stuff. So you definitely want to make sure you, uh, you know, you bat time and bat channel this this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, what's it? Yeah, sorry. Oh, uh, you, I'm sorry. Do you have a little bit of a dot? <laughs> do you have some foreshadowing caught in your throat? I do. I think anyway, that's what it was. Um, I think it was. Yeah. I, I so, was uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we were going to have some other people join us in this adventure. But in the first the first episode is just going to be uh, mano y mano with me and J Dubs. Uh, okay. and, uh, and, and yeah, so. That's uh let's get into our first slasher uh of the week, which is One, two, three, Intruder. Intruder alert. Intruder <laughs> I, alert. <laughs> and I just want to say, uh for those uh, who may not know, uh this is kind of perfect. Uh that little intro like with the the, the, the girl saying one, two, three, da 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 da. Uh, that is, of course, from the the famous Kelly Goes Hollywood episode of um, Married to Children. But mm-hmm. the band, the the band that plays that, are actually called the Slashettes. So it's more right. appropriate to use that now than ever before. Now than ever, and now they, uh, yeah, they're the Slashettes, and this is the Slashers we're talking about, and uh, we're talking about Intruder. Intruder, today, Christopher. Yes. We are. Please give um, us some background on this film. I, I watched be, it. You did. I, I and this is kind of cool. Um, this is a movie. Uh, I also revisited it uh, uh, last night, 
Uh, and this is a this is a movie that I, I it's probably like the twenty twenty fifth time I've watched it. Uh, but this was John Wayne's first viewing of the film, uh, and we're going to talk about our different impressions of it. Uh, I don't know what he thinks of it yet. Like we haven't talked about it. It's just going to be a live, uh, you know, experience for us both. Uh, but uh, yeah, Intruder is a film by Scott Spiegel. Uh, and it was uh, released in 1989. It's based off of uh, a short film that he had done previously uh, that was called Night Crew. And Night Crew was originally going to be the name of the movie, uh, which is a much better title for the movie, don't you think? Night Crew as opposed to Intruders? Or Intruder? Oh, definitely. But they do yeah. say Night night Crew in the in the movie, by the way. You know, yeah, they do. They do. You know, but... you don't, why'd you take it out of the Night Crew? It's not the Night Crew's right. fault or some shit like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. But originally, that was the title of it, and that was the title of much, the short film. Much better. Uh, I agree. Yeah, it's much better. Uh, the, the name Intruder is very generic, but they were kind of forced to put that onto it. Um, mm. But uh, you know, that was that was a studio decision, I guess. Um, this movie uh, was it to make it sound more menacing, like make it sound more horror, horror-y, I, I guess. I, I don't know. They just they decided to go with that name uh, when originally uh, they wanted to call it Night Crew. Um, I'm not sure why the, the production company, uh, you know, there was actually like parent companies involved with this too. Uh, Full, where, moon. Uh, Full Moon released this, right? I, yeah, yeah. Back, well, back when it was Empire, yeah. Charles Band uh, was uh, kind of like the financier more than the producer. They already had producers, but like his money went into it. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, Full Moon uh, back when they were Empire. Um, I'm not sure if those were technically the same company, but they were both led by Charles Band. So I don't know if like the company right. changed names or if they just the whole new company that he started. But yeah, Empire. Um, and this was uh, this was put together by the Evil Dead crew. Um, this you know Scott Spiegel was right. was, was Scott Spiegel was co-writer on Evil Dead Two, uh, and we also have um, Sam Raimi actually starring in the movie. Mm -hmm. Horror maestro Sam Raimi, who went on to big things, doing Spider-Man movies and shit like that. Uh, the man who gave us the Evil Dead series. Uh, Ted Raimi, uh, brother of Sam, like he stars in it too. He's a, a genre favorite. And yep. even Bruce Campbell uh, has a cameo uh, in the end of the film. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got the whole crew. And, and also uh, uh, Dan Hicks, uh, who is, plays a lead role in this movie, is also stars in uh, Evil Dead 2. Um, this is also the first film of uh, special effects team KNB, uh, who did many, many amazing effects in the 80s and 90s. Um, and I believe they still do some work now, uh, but they were really prominent in the 80s and 90s. And this is the first film. Uh, and boy, what a premiere. They really did some crazy effects in this movie. <clears throat> and that's so. Greg Nicotero, who played guitar in Megadeth for a short period of time. What? <laughs> the effects team. Yeah, That's a joke. Okay. That's a joke. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, let's let's go ahead and, and get into this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I basically gave you the uh, the gist of it. Well, let me give you the, the plot. Um, this is a much like uh, Ryan and I's book, The Night Stalkers. Uh, this is a horror movie uh, that's that takes place in a grocery store. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's much different from nice stalkers in the sense that this is actually a slasher story. Uh, and it's, um, 
uh, you know, it, it basically these these people are doing an overnight uh, because the store is going to be closing, so they're marking down all of the um, all of the products. Uh, and what happens is uh, the boyfriend or the ex boyfriend of our main girl Jen. Um, and I'm sorry. I'll That's okay. We we could talk about him, but uh, I was going to say. And can we say boy for two months? I mean, well, you, yeah, the ex boyfriend. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into, into it. it. We'll get into it. But he shows up and he is not taking no for an answer. Wants her back, and uh, and then like after that, they throw him out. But then things start to get weird, and people start to get slashed, and uh, and it kind of the movie kind of goes from there, and. Uh, so yeah, that's your basic premise. It's kind of a unique atmosphere for a slasher film. It's in a grocery store as opposed to a neighborhood or a summer camp. So it was kind of uh, innovative. Again, this movie came out in 89. Uh, so there were many like slasher movies that came before it. It kind of came at the tail end of the slasher era. But they did make that short film back in 79. Uh, so they were kind oh, of... Oh, really? They did, yeah, huh. yeah. Uh, so they they you know came up with the idea... Um, you know, like right after, you know, I guess Halloween came out and Halloween being like the real first slasher movie, as far as I'm concerned, uh, that really spawned the early 80s slasher boom. So let's talk about the movie. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell me what you thought of it? I really liked this movie uh, nice. quite a bit, actually. Uh, it it it's uh it's really fun to watch it's um interesting we, we were going to talk about this director but he definitely has some telltale things i'm sure that are you can see throughout mo more of his films i'm just guessing just by watching this movie i'm like okay this guy does this D interesting camera work different like things that he kind of does uh but um yeah, I mean, it's it's not this is not a, a movie that the actors are setting the world on fire at all. But that's <laughs> not what you're watching this movie for. Um, I, I can look past all of that, uh, especially at the beginning when too many people stand in profile. And I'm like, please, somebody cheat out, cheat out like, let, I, you know, but it's uh, that doesn't matter. Like, it's a it's really fucking cool. Uh, like Chris said, it's a it's a takes place in a grocery store. I worked in a grocery store. A lot of us have grocery stores, you know, experience at some point in our lives when, you know, throughout our jobs. And it's like an overnight, it's like that overnight hell shift that you're like, ah, fuck, we got to work overnight. And then these, they get some other shit dumped on them. And, uh, it's just, uh, goes from there. Um, I, I liked it quite a bit. And I liked, I liked the kills. Uh, I liked the story and I liked the, the direction as well. So, Awesome. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because this is uh, definitely a favorite of mine uh, in the unsung class uh, slasher classics for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very. I, I thought I mean, very entertaining. If, you, if you're into slashers at all, uh, this definitely is going to hit all the check all the boxes for you, I think. I think uh, so, too. Um, and, uh, you know, like I think some people might have, take issue with certain things like it being an unconventional atmosphere uh, or that it all takes place over the course of one night, which can sometimes be a hindrance to a slasher movie, that it's all one night and it all kind of is all in darkness. Um, I felt that way about Madman, that it uh, that I think it, it hurt that film, that it was all one night. Uh, but I don't feel that way with Intruder at all. Uh, I think Intruder to me is a five out of five, uh, you know, rating uh, all the way. Um, 
it's uh, I, I and I totally see what you're saying too with uh, Scott Spiegel's interesting uh, shots that he sets up. Like you know, a lot of POV is what he does. Like POV from like a f- the the the, the uh, a fucking phone, you know, yeah, the POV but, but, yeah. from the phone and shit like that. And that, you know, POV that one, from, yeah, from it a bottle. The cart. The first one was that the cart, cart, right? Right. right. Yeah, that, yeah. that 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 the guy like things. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, I bet this is gonna be a thing. And then right. like you're talking about the phone. And what you're seeing, you're looking through like what a, a rotary yeah. phone dial would look like. Mm-hmm. But if it was like a transparency, that you know, you can see like that's what you watch the whole conversation that she has with yeah. her, the, yeah. the, her husband. Like, oh, my God, some creep called. You watch the whole thing through there. But then there's also another scene where you watch through the like the mirrors above like the bread section where mm-hmm. you might like people would watch to see if you're shoplifting i guess or something i, I like, yeah yeah it's this it, weird it, like it's a very weird take area. that yeah. that kind of reminded me of like kevin smith type of shots a little bit um i wonder if he he got anything from you know influence from this director at all well, but it's like it's, he, but, he, but like it's probably throughout the film these are just a couple mm-hmm. but he does yeah. these weird shots pov shots throughout the film well, it's interesting because um, because Sam Raimi was involved with this, and because Raimi worked a lot with with Spiegel over the years, um, because Raimi does that kind of thing too, where he'll do these kind of uh, POVs, like most famously the POV, the POV of the demons or the or the demonic force in Evil Dead, where it's closing in on the cabin, I mean, or chasing, you know, or it's chasing Bruce Campbell, you know. Um, and so, like, I don't know if that was something they kind of came up with together and both did or if one of them was imitating the other. But, yeah, that's definitely present. Uh, and it, in a lot of ways, it feels like a Sam Raimi movie uh, when you watch and it. And it does. Yeah, yeah it, it, it does in, in all aspects, like the gore that's involved, because uh, the gore is heavy uh, in the Ooh, movie. So good. It's so good and so heavy. Um, yeah, the kills are really on par with, like, a Friday the 13th and that they're very graphic. Uh, they're they're very uh, – uh, creative you know um we'll just say like here you know it, well, it, let's it, just it, go through it let's just go yeah, through the, yeah. the film like so yeah yeah absolutely um uh, i will say like you uh, i guess we could kind of start with the characters um which which i really enjoyed all these characters and uh you mentioned uh kevin smith a minute ago which is funny because there's this one character in the movie named bub uh yeah who, bob to, are you up here bub uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Bub is uh, Bub is funny because he's played by uh, this guy Burr Steers, um, and to me, he's kind of like Jason Mewes' Jay, like before that existed. Uh, like he's just kind of like this like stoner type guy, and, and he's I, just yeah, like he talks he talks in this like voice. It's like this. He almost also like the voice reminded me of like Crispin Glover in River's Edge, where it's like, oh my god, just give me your box cutter, dude. You know, like yeah, that, that kind of like funny voice. Just throw me your cutter, yeah. Which is funny yeah. that they're like throwing box cutters around. It's like <laughs> like you're asking and, and, to get hurt, you know. <laughs> I'm on aisle seven. Throw me my cutter. Yeah, throw me a box cutter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he caught it with the blood with the oh okay anyway yeah <laughs> pretty funny yeah but i agree that character is very similar to a jason muse or crispin glover that was a good good pull i think too just his cadence yeah. in the yeah. sense just but. like in that voice that kind of like stoner california kind of voice i don't know um but he's really funny the character bob he makes me laugh the whole movie just the way he talks and like everything uh but uh, yeah, we have these these different characters. Mainly, what we have as characters is we have 
the co-managers. One kind of works as, or the co-owners. Uh, co-owners, yeah. Yeah, one of them works as kind of like the manager. The other one's kind of like the assistant's manager. And those are both guys that are like, you know, middle age or so. Uh, and then you have all the, the other people who work there who are mostly young people, teenagers and people in their 20s. Um, and and then you have like the ex-boyfriend who's like trying to, you know, get in there and, and get with yeah. the, the main girl, Jennifer, played by Elizabeth, Elizabeth Cox. Um, and... Uh, and she she turns out to be like our final girl and everything. So she's mm-hmm. our, our main main character in that sense. Um, Ted Raimi plays the part, and I love that he's credited this way on I, I am, uh, MDB. He's credited <laughs> he's credited as Produce Joe, <laughs> which yeah. is great. <laughs> and he's kind of like this guy who was always listening to his headphones, like. Basically, he, what they, 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 they like no out. idea what's going on because no he's going on that he's song that he's listening to. We have to talk, <laughs> right? we have to talk about that. I wrote that down. We have to talk about it too. He's playing this weird little like it almost sounds like Nintendo music or something. He's like listening to Nintendo Muzak <laughs> on purpose, right? And and through the whole thing, it's just this ridiculous song, and it's not even like. Oh, this is the score of the film. No, like they make it sound like nope, it's coming through his headphones and he's jamming and yeah. he's cutting carrots and doing whatever the fuck stupid other shit he's doing. Yeah, he's, he's very but, much in his own world throughout the whole thing. Yeah. He, he has no idea. But then what's even more awesome is when he finally does get his comeuppance or whatever you want to call it, they're dragging him away film. and the song is still playing, but it's yeah. like but a it's broken slow. record. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's as if the song gets murdered along yeah. with it. It's yeah, hilarious. exactly. And, and it was a play like that. It's so that's that was a nice touch. I really liked. The, yeah. the, I like those kind of things. That was really funny. Yeah, but no, yeah, he, yeah. He's he has no idea what's even happening, which is yeah. which is excellent. Yeah, because uh, they find out early in the movie. We're not spoiling by saying that, but they find out early in the movie that uh, they're all being fired, and so their store's closing. You know, uh, uh, but like the scene where the one guy goes to tell produce joe like hey you lost your job and like he's, <laughs> even hear him. he's still just cutting up the produce and everything it's hilarious he's uh, like lost your job joe and like he just like yeah. walked in it's like he's he just still sleeps. like listening to a stupid yeah. fucking song <laughs> chopping <laughs> fucking broccoli and shit yeah, hilarious it's, uh it's um, great and then you've got you got craig who is uh like the creepy ex-boyfriend who's like trying to break in there and uh yeah he gets... and, okay and this guy comes on really strong dude he's like we dated for two months and yeah. he never called me again. And I'm like, come all right, buddy, let's just take a yeah. step back, dude. You went to jail for like killing somebody actually too. Yeah. Yeah. But, he went, like he killed someone accidentally in a fight. So it was like a manslaughter thing over yeah, her, over right? her, but he's out now. Uh, and he shows up and, uh, like, you know, he, he's causing trouble. He's being too aggressive with her. And like, you know, the the managers and like some of the other guys, they like, you know, get in a little fight with him and they throw him out uh, and they call the cops. Hold on, hold on. They don't just get into a little fight with him. They beat the fuck out of him. And including the the the, the part where somebody holds him back and the main manager guy, the 51 percent guy, the older guy, yeah, yeah. so that he can fucking start punching him in the nailing. stomach and shit. Yeah, he's yeah. just fucking sucker punching him while they hold him back. They beat the shit out of this guy. Yeah. And but throw yeah, him they, out of the store, and but but he but they like there's a fight first where he like starts it and like he yeah he, he starts the, the manager like throwing blows and everything. Yeah, it's, but no, it's you're right. They, they do hold also, him and beat him up. Cigarettes, dollar thirty five. 
Oh, yeah. How much they cost it. She was like, Look, it's a dollar thirty-five for the cigarettes. Just pay and get out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wow, that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh those the, the you know the prices of nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so like the, the the two bosses, we've got uh Danny, who is the older boss who's really like all business and doesn't really give a fuck about his workers. And then Randy is like the assistant manager is actually kind of a laid back fun guy actually cares about the store and his people connected uh, to everybody. Tries yeah. To, yeah. He takes he's, the breaks with everybody too. He's yeah. Yeah. He, t- he takes lunch with them and he jokes with them. Uh, he's like, like we were talking about the back room. He's like, is that where I caught you smoking that wacky tobacco? <laughs> you know, which uh, up on the roof is like, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that where I caught you guys smoking that wacky debate? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, he's that guy. Yeah. Like, but so but he came he, up there and he chastised you, but he took a hit too. You know, he, he did. Took, yeah. He took yeah. a little pop. It's like, that's the thing. Like, he, he, he mentions it, but he, he didn't, he clearly didn't fire them for it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, so he's, he's a good dude. Um, and, uh, and, so who else do we have in this movie? We've got uh, Linda, who is uh, the the only other female in the movie, uh, which is an interesting thing with this movie because it's a slasher movie, but it's mostly dudes who get murdered throughout it, um, yeah. which is a little, uh, you know, like certainly men uh, get killed in slasher movies for sure, but usually the female characters are stalked and tortured, and uh, Linda actually gets killed pretty early in this, uh, and she's played by... Um, uh, what's her name? Estevez. Oh fuck! Why am I blanking her name? Amelia Estevez. No, it's not. It's her. It's his sister, actually. Uh, shit, Estevez. Um, uh, I, I don't. Uh, know, I don't know I, her I name, but believe, I can't believe it's... I'm blanking out her name now because I just wrote down her last name. I know who she is uh, because she was in uh, a couple other stuff, including uh, you know she was in Sleepaway Camp uh, and she was also in uh, Heather's. <clears throat> so uh I'm, I'm pulling it up now i can't believe i'm uh, renee i don't even need to pull up renee renee estevez is her name uh yeah, yeah. she was in she played winona Ryder's uh friend in um in heathers the one that like was the nerd girl that wasn't popular and then she was also uh in several of the sleepaway camp uh movies as well uh which it, it makes it kind of surprising to me that they didn't use her as the main character uh, you know, because she had that star power with her name, yeah. and also she had been in more than Elizabeth uh, Cox, who I well, don't can't even name another movie she was in. So, well, like like you said, she got killed off early mm-hmm. in the movie. She is she plays like her character is uh, married and also is the morning checker, so she's got to come back in the morning and open right. the store right. apparently. So she's leaving. Uh, I wonder if, like you said she's working on a couple of movies. She has that star power. I wonder if this was a scheduling thing that Possibly. She could Possibly. only work. She's like, I want to be in this movie, but I can't, I could can have been. Only, you have to knock me out like these days. I don't yeah. know. I'm, those are just the things I think about. But. Well, I mean, I, I, in the, uh, in the synapse, uh, Blu-ray release, there's like a making of, and they, t- and they talk about how Elizabeth Cox was, was specifically chosen. And, uh, and but she was also dating uh, one of the producers, so they Ooh, say that uh, they say that had nothing to do with it. No, but, it never uh, does. It never does. Not. Of course not. Uh, but the, okay, so like you know, we went through most of these characters here. There's a couple like of other guys. Like there's Dave, who is this guy who uh, has a romantic I- interest in Jen. Um, and then of course uh, we have some of the police officers that show up, and one of them is Bruce Campbell in a small yeah. role, uh, which yeah. is really fun. Uh, and fun thing, like, you know, I was talking about Bob, uh, Burr steers, 
you know, the stoner character in this, he was actually in uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, he was uh, in the opening of Pulp, not the opening opening, but like in that scene where in the beginning where um, Jules and uh, and Vincent, when they go and they're like, you know, like go in and be like, say what again? Say one, what, what, one more goddamn time. You know, That's him on the couch? Well, he's the flock of seagull guys, the flock of seagulls guy who gets shot and killed. Frank, Frank Wally, I think is the name of the guy who actually has like the more dialogue. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, he's the one that's like, you flock of seagulls. And he ends up yeah. shooting him. That's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, him. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a funny thing. Uh, he also became a director. He ended up uh, doing uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, uh, along with some other things. Oh, um, great. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Um, uh, all right. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I think the real star of this movie though, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I love, um, the character of Bill. Uh, I, I really love Bill. I think he's hysterical through the whole movie. Which one's Bill? Uh, he's the assistant manager. In the oh film. yeah. 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 So, he's... Yeah. Talk, we talked about this earlier. Like tell the, the, like we, he's, he eats lunch with everybody. The stories he tells, what's the story oh, he tells great. to them? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, he tells them, you know, he's he's telling about them when he was uh, a, a fireman or volunteer fireman, and I, uh, oh, came upon. Does this, does this scene not remind you of like an alien, like when they're like all sitting down at the table or whatever? Yeah, kind it's of. Kinda, yeah, yeah, it kind of does. It, 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 it reminded me of that, but then I also love that they're all like they're all smoking cigarettes and eating yes. at the same time, just like Everyone. oh, yeah. just like who does that, dude? Yeah, like yeah, that's it's awesome. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And the, and the guy, it's, and then here's our boss just telling the story. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're all hanging out in the break room and having like their lunch or dinner or whatever. And he, and yeah, he's it. But of course, like the the main manager who's all business, he's not in there with them. Everyone else no, is he's, together. He's a drip. Yeah. No, he's the dick. He's the dick. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so he tells this hilarious story about like you know he was you know, had a, a car accident, and one of the other guys he worked with uh, named Parker. Uh, he like they came across this car accident. It was like this big bloody thing, and like people are mutilated in the accident. And he's like, "Here comes fucking Parker walking down the road with a severed head in one hand and his hamburger in the other." And it's yeah, just, it's just really funny. And of course, Dan Hicks is hilarious. Uh, uh, as I said, he was in Evil Dead Two. He plays the uh, the redneck guy with the shotgun who comes to the cabin. You know, and he's just hilarious in that as well. He's really funny. Uh, in mm. this movie, even more than he is in Evil Dead 2. Um, uh, but the real star of the show is the special effects and the gore scenes, the kills. Like, that really steals the show. Um, when They're this very movie, good kills. Yeah. When this movie was first released, it was heavily edited. And, like, all the kill scenes were removed and, like, cut out. Uh, which is really? a, Yeah, which is a damn shame. Uh, it wasn't until much later that it was released with all of the gore scenes, which make it so good. Can I ask something really quick? So when I was like, so when I was, I, I texted you earlier and I was like, which intruder is this? Because there's like this remastered one. Is that the same movie that this is that we watched? Because there's like some remastered 2018 release. I don't intruder. know. What, I don't and know what that is. Yeah, there's, it, it, it says like supermarket. It's it kind of gives the same premise, but I almost watched that one. And I was like, is this the same thing? But then like I got the right one from you. So I didn't know if there was like a a different well, I mean, it, it might have if, if they say that it's the same plot it might be just like the remastered just being like they polished it up and it's like a cleaner you know HD something like I don't that know. 
Yeah, yeah um, I think that that's out there. But yeah, because the yeah. sound design in this is actually kind of interesting at times mm-hmm. where I'm like, eh, eh, yeah. Mm. Well, but, on the Blu-ray, I have the Blu-ray release and it's really good. I mean, it's like, excuse me. Oh, really polished. Oh, that's the Blu-ray. I, I watched this on the uh, Prime. The Prime on Amazon streaming, Prime. right, yeah. right. Um, but yeah, they really cleaned it up. And so like a lot of it is much brighter, you know, because oh, a so lot you of had, Yeah, you had a Blu-ray. I'm sure the Blu-ray was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But I mean, but if you even if you go and you and you stream it on Amazon, like the, the version that you'll find of it out there now is the uncut version. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless you get some old VHS tape, you're not going to see the cut version with all of the gore cut out, which is a good thing, uh, because as we said, the kills are great. Uh, and throughout the uh, throughout the film, like the kills all involve these machines that are exclusive to grocery stores for the most part. Uh, we have people being hung on meat hooks. We have people being crushed in balers. And uh, my personal, my personal favorite kill, and I mean, I, I would say it's probably everyone's. Uh, is the head, the bone saw, dude. Yeah, where where the guy's head is bisected by a bone saw, and it's so graphic. They show it going through his head and everything. It's fantastic. I, yeah. And I love how he's he's screaming the whole time, and then he's screaming until the saw gets like right into the eye. The screaming mm-hmm. stops, yeah. and it's just like. His mouth yeah. is just open as it cuts like the rest of his head across and, all the and, way. And that's so Sam Raimi good. too. And that's yeah. Sam Raimi too, which is great. Sam Raimi like has an acting role in this, and it's so yeah. cool to see him like in this incredible gore scene. Yeah, oh, it's uh, so yeah, good. It, it's awesome. And in fact, um, when Ryan and I wrote the Night Stalkers, and I mentioned this in the introduction, uh, one of the things that we really tried to do was to avoid. Uh, because we didn't want it to be too much like Intruder, uh, and we didn't want it to be too much like Stephen King's The Mist, which are the two main grocery store horror stories. Uh, and so, with the exception of crushing someone in a baler, like we didn't do any of the other things that they did in Intruder. Uh, we didn't use the bone saw as much as I would have liked to. You know, I was like, oh, nah, it's yeah. too much like Intruder. And also, our story isn't a slasher. It's more of a siege you know, n- novel, so it's very different from Intruder. Um, but we wanted to be careful about that. And so that's why I decided to use other things that hadn't been used like a, you know, uh, or, or, you know, we both did, um, I should say like a deli slicer and a baking oven and things like that, which aren't used as uh, murder weapons in intruder, but they use yeah. a lot of these great tools and, uh, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, the way they do it. Yeah. When the Venn diagram of like slashers and grocery stores, maybe like this movie and and uh, Night Stalkers that you and Ryan wrote have like grow the grocery store thing in common, but yeah, like the kills are completely different and the plot is like completely different. Yeah, um, but uh, just the grocery store a- a- element is is there, and it kind of is like uh, what, what did we watch um, when I was at your house? The Christmas movie, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, where they're in the toy store, like it's kind of almost like that. Right. Uh, a little no, bit it is. Rhyme, yeah. Reminiscent, not exactly the same, but like mm-hmm. uh, being trapped in in a place that's supposed to be safe and somewhere that you go all the time, and uh, at, you know, at night you're just being murdered. That's a right. uh, that's yeah, a pretty that's cool true. thing, you true. know. That yeah. that fucks with your mind a lot. I think, you know. Yeah. No, definitely. Um. Uh, no, that's a good that's a good uh, point of reference because yeah, that's another movie that's a slasher and it's not the whole movie like with this, but yeah, there's like yeah, this yeah. there's some kills in this store and like you know the main the slasher works in a grocery or not in a toy store, toy store uh, yeah. kills some of the people after hours and everything. So yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's a great comparison. Um, <clears throat> uh, so uh, yeah, like 
the good thing about the, these characters is I find them very relatable, and maybe it's because I worked in a grocery store, but I found them relatable and likable. Uh, there's no character that's like really annoying, which tends to be a trend in a lot of slasher movies where you have at least that one character that's like yeah. Joey in uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 or like somebody like that where you just want to – or the, the fucking fat guy in Part 3 where like, you just like yeah. smack them the whole time. Uh, we don't have any of those in this. Uh, uh, they're all – fun and funny uh the movie has a lot of humor uh that's intentional you're not laughing because mm-hmm. it's bad you're laughing because it's meant to be funny like i love when sam raimi's character uh is in the back room and he kind of like trips over this ladder and he's like god damn it who the fuck put this here oh, oh, wait, it, oh it, I, was it was me, me. And it was me <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah and, and then he's he like just, oh fuck it and just throws it down <laughs> yeah, that's right he's just like ah fuck it and just throws it back on the floor where someone will get I, tripped again when Hilarious. I watched that, I was like, I was like, dude, I wonder if that had to be just a fuck up, and they kept it in. They're like, yeah, let's get that's funny. Keep it in, keep it in. Yeah, because... yeah, either, either way, it's really funny. Yeah, yeah it's funny. really good. Um, it does take a while to get to the first kill. It's about thirty minutes before you see the first. Thirty-three kill. minutes. How? See, you timed it too, my yeah. man, my yeah. man. Thirty-three. Um, like, I think I was thirty-three point oh three. Like, I paused. as soon as it was the first kill, I was like, got it. And so. then, uh, and then it's about. But it's minutes. worth it. Worth it. Oh no! Watch. Totally, totally. Uh, because they, like I said, the characters are are good. It's funny, uh, and they set everything up really well. It's not boring. Um, and then once the kills start rolling, they get increasingly gorier. Uh, the, you know, uh, starting with uh, like the prick manager that you all hate. Uh, well, actually, he's not the first kill, but he's the first gory kill. Um, oh, and man, they foreshadow his kill in a pov yeah. shot really really well where mm-hmm. i was like watching that and i don't know if i'm spo- i don't want to spoil it but i was watching that scene and i was like oh god i could see this coming dude uh-huh. this is this is really <laughs> yeah so his his but then he's but he comes back he's not even really dead because he comes back he's like oh i'm help me or some shit i don't and know the, and the guy who sees him is like fuck you and yeah he's like, like fuck yeah he, he really like does scared. he's like i'm not yeah. helping shit yeah. fuck <laughs> this like, He's like scared of him. He's like, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, uh, the, the other thing that I think is really funny is when uh, Bub is talking to the one girl, uh, 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 Linda, and uh, he's like, yeah, I used to be friends with Craig. And Craig is the creepy guy who uh, is trying to break back in. Yeah, I used to be friends with him. And like one time we got in this fight and I swear he would have killed me if my brother hadn't beaten him repeatedly over the head with a blender. Yeah. <laughs> And then he goes to the extent of being like, "Yeah, a Hamilton blender." Like yeah, he, Hamilton he, he yeah. drops because the that's like the <laughs> that, those are like the big metal ones and shit. <laughs> no, no, not not some Sears bullshit. This is a uh, Hamilton uh, brand. This is the real deal. Stainless steel <laughs> fucking blender. And maybe that's to that maybe that's to blame for his mental troubles. The Hamilton maybe. beating, they called it. Yeah, yeah, it could be, could be. Um, and isn't that what they're talking about in that scene? I, I was saying, like, where they're, they're eating like Oreos, but you see it in the mirrors, yes. like above them. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, very interesting. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I it, but also very indicative of that time. I think those shots. Yeah, I think so too. I yeah. don't know. It, it does have that. Um, uh, Scott Spiegel went on to work on a, a, other projects, but he he directed some other horror stuff. Um, uh, like he uh he directed uh. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn Part Two, uh, the sequel to your favorite. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying it's good. Yeah. He directed it, and he directed Hostel Three as well. Uh, so he he didn't. Uh, I like that one. 
Okay. Uh, so yeah, he didn't quite take off in the horror genre as much as Sam Raimi. Um, but, uh, you know, he did also did a lot of writing work. And so he's been behind the scenes on a lot of stuff. Uh, speaking of being behind the scenes, uh, Bruce Campbell, who has a cameo in this, he, uh, he was the cameraman on Night Crew, the original short film, uh, that they made out of this. He, he actually filmed that movie. He was the guy who held the camera the whole time. He helped film it and then he gets to be on it. By the way, these cops at the end that are just like <laughs> slamming these yeah. people like, like repeatedly against the fucking yeah. car. I'm like, what the fuck is yeah, happening they're, here? They're like, like, yeah, they're like judge and jury right there. They're like, OK, yeah. you're guilty. They're like, like dread. Yeah, they're dread yeah. for sure, dude. They're yeah. just like yeah. beating the shit out of these people. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we decided before doing the show that we're not going to give away the killer. We'll uh, not spoil it. No, because the, the goal of this is to have horror fans are like listen to the show we want we want to encourage you to go out and check out these movies so we're talking about the movie of course um but we're not going to spoil it because it is one of those slashers where it's like a whodunit um mm. you know um you know like as opposed to say halloween or, or uh the friday 13th sequels anyway uh where right. you know who the killer is it's more like friday 13th the original where it's like you're wondering who who the actual killer is um so we're not going to give that away but I did want to talk about um, the making of this movie and how they managed to do it. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting, and they talk about this in the behind the scenes and on the commentary, is how they were looking for you know a grocery store to do this in, um, but wasn't the easiest thing to to do. Uh, and so they finally yeah. they finally found a place that was a grocery store that actually had closed down, uh, and. One person owned it, but another guy managed it, even though it was like empty and closed down. Uh, and they managed to like give the they kind of paid off the, the manager like a couple grand, and were like, okay, we'll film here at night when uh, when the owner isn't around, and just don't tell him, and we'll just do it here. And the manager like, was like, like yeah. at the Monroeville Mall type fucking film at night type fucking like Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, is it like that kind of fucking? Yeah, it was kind of like that, but yeah, the, the, but the but the funny thing that, is, is that the, but it wasn't operating during the day, right? No, this is the funny thing about it is it wasn't operating at all. Uh, the the place didn't even have any product, uh, so the shelves were empty and like dirty and everything. So for one thing, they had to clean the place up, and for another thing, they had to like get product to put on the shelves so they weren't empty. And so what they did is they went to um, Ralph's. Yeah, the grocery store that I hate. Uh, they they went to uh, Ralph's and Ralph's put aside all these like goods that were that they usually gave to um, uh, charities and stuff. Where it was like stuff that wasn't bad, but it like couldn't sell, like dented cans and yeah. like you know boxes that were ripped. And they also got a bunch of spoiled goods, stuff that had passed its expiration, but still looked fine in the box. And that's one of the reasons when you watch the movie. Uh, although you get to see like inside the cooler of like the produce room or the meat room, you never see the produce department in the movie. You never see the meat department in the movie because they didn't have any perishables. They only yeah. got all of this stuff that was in boxes and cans uh, because that they could have on the shelves and throughout the shooting, they could have this this stuff on the shelves. Uh, so that's a all diet Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. There's all these. There's all of this. Uh, you you see a lot of the same stuff throughout the movie too. They mainly got like cleaning supplies, cereal, sodas and beer. Uh, and um, they also, and it's funny because you never really even see this in the film, but apparently they got a bunch of uh, pet food, a bunch of like big bags of dog food that expired. And 
apparently started to mold and it like stank the whole time they were like filming the movie. And they didn't even show it. Like I, I don't even remember a scene where you really. See I don't it. either. I, I there, you see, story. like you see them stocking like a lot of the detergent aisle, the yeah. cereal aisle, because the Frosted Flakes box, it mm. looks like it looks like Snap, Crackle, and Pop are, are perhaps yeah. on the Frosted Flakes box. It's a it's weird. weird thing. Is this yeah. Canada or something? What's happening? Yeah, here? I noticed that too. It, yeah, like like Tony the Tiger is not on the it's box. It's not on there. It's like I guess I guess it must have been like some generic store brand version of it or something, but it says Frosted Flakes. It's, it's not like yeah. Frosty Flakes or something yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There might have been um, an accent, like an Axon Grove on there, some shit we didn't see because the light or something. But it says Frosted. I, I, I yeah. was going to ask you if you saw that, but yeah, that was interesting and like uh, definitely can relate when like there one part where he cuts the box and he goes to pick up the fucking. The, the, yeah. the detergent and they all fall out of the bottom yeah. he's like god damn and i hate it when that happens because he yep. just cut through the fucking yeah thing. that shit happens all the time when you're working yeah. like opening boxes you cut right through the product yeah um yeah another uh another fun bit about this is like you know we're talking about like the expired stuff like there's a couple of scenes that i noticed like with the uh the jiffy pop is hanging up in one scene and like you could see like some of the barcodes have been crossed out with the magic marker uh, which is what is done with like expired product when you're scanning it out or you're giving it away as you cross out the barcode. Um, yeah, you know, so that way it like doesn't get scanned at the register or whatever. So it was just kind of funny. You could see like you could see the stuff is clearly like you know out of code if you're looking for it. You know, it, um, it also was funny when he's like the one dude was like in the cooler. He's he's clearly in the cooler like i'm in the beer cooler shut the door but there's no fan there's no sound or yeah you nothing don't hear to indicate going, that it's yeah. cool yeah. or he's there's yeah. no breath you can't see his yeah breath there's no oxidization of breath yeah and also they're like I, the the thing at the beginning we're like we're closing down we got to mark everything half off tonight do you have to mark everything can't you put a sign up that says half well, off everything i mean well, it on. depends it depends actually uh because there's different laws in different states like in when i worked in massachusetts with whole foods you had to price every single item it was like the law you had uh not just really? like, like yeah statewide every law. item had to every have item has to have its on. price on it yeah absolutely yeah so it, it, it all wow. depends yeah, it all depends. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's you also have to keep in mind that this is before like scanners and stuff. This was in the '80s, where like you bring it to the cash register, and it wasn't all computers. Uh, the, the the cashier would have to look at the price and type it in, and then right. just add it up on a regular old register with like a paper receipt. You know, so yeah, that's another yeah. thing too. Uh, but but yeah, in modern day, like you said, they would do just put signs up, but no, they had to reprice everything. Um, uh, what else was I going to say about the making of uh, – checking my notes here. All that product was donated. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, in, it's funny. In the Night Crew, um, in the original, the, the, the short film, which actually was lost, uh, so they have like – uh, outtakes from it that uh, you can watch but like the, the huh. original short film was lost there was only one copy on 8mm back in 79 and uh, Spiegel actually lent it to someone and like never saw it again so it's long gone God damn it that's yeah. the story you know it's like oh yeah, you want to borrow this book yeah you never see it again yeah yeah and he even admits he's like yeah it seems stupid to me now I can't believe I did that but he did uh, but the, there are some um, outtakes that you can watch and uh, they're, the, the killer's actually wearing a mask and it's like this weird kind of like leather face from the next generation, like when he looks super feminine, it's kind of like that. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, uh, it's but it's kind of cool. Uh, 
But in this movie, there is no mask on the killer. You just kind of see him in shadow. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so that's how they kind of do it as a whodunit. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Cox, uh, who plays Jennifer, our final girl, uh, she was a true scream queen. And the fact that uh, one of the reasons they liked her is because she had many different types of screams that she did. Uh, you know, and so she, she screams her head off like the last half of the movie. It's basically just her finding just body after body after body. Screaming, yeah. And screaming her head off. Um uh, and uh, they're, they're, like uh, uh, Hicks said in uh, when they were filming the last one of the the, the final scenes uh, that she was, she was having trouble uh, getting out of the phone booth. Uh, and oh yeah, really? Uh, yeah, and uh, when it, when, I, I it tip, when it tips over or yeah, yeah, okay. like they have this. There's a scene in the phone booth, uh, and she had to crawl out of like a broken part of it, and she was having a little trouble doing it quickly enough. And the crew had been filming all night and they were kind of exhausted. So I won't say who, because I don't want to give anything away, but uh, uh, someone in the movie who's in that scene with her uh, bit her on the ass to literally make her run faster <laughs> and uh, get the shot because they just all wanted Yikes. to go home. So he bit her ass, and she, <laughs> which is really funny. Consensual, uh, yeah. I hope. Uh, it, it, I, it was a different time, simpler time. Allegedly, where you yeah. could bite people's asses. Uh, <laughs> um, I I want to say like you know, there's really funny kills in this. Uh, we don't want to give them all the way, but they're really funny. Uh, but one of the things that I can't help but give away is there's a scene that makes me hysterically laugh every time. It's probably my favorite thing in the movie, uh, where the killer is beating a guy with a severed head. He's using his oh, severed yeah. head. Yeah, to beat the I, shit out of a guy. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, dude! It's just a head. Like, do something. Like, come on. I'm like, the human head weighs eight pounds and shit. Thinking like, it's not a kettlebell. Like, come on, do something. I, I think that's hilarious. But, and, and the dude gets beat with it. He goes yeah. down. Like, yeah, he does definitely great. succumb to the beating. It's not yeah. just like a fucking bullshit. Like, whoa. Like he gets his shit beat down with a head. Yes. Very, very cool stuff. It's good stuff. Um, I I also love this, the scene where the guy is bisected, uh, and there's a sign that says half off. off. (laughs) Uh, That's just such a great scene. All of these kills are very, very good. Yeah. I I don't know. We don't want to give them away, but just trust us. They're, They're super graphic and gory and excellent. Uh, they were very on par with Savini's work in, say, mm-hmm. Friday Thirteenth or Maniac. You know, like they're yeah, that, yeah. they're that graphic. Yeah. Um, one, one other thing I have from this, because uh, I, I meant to say this a minute ago, um, Scott Spiegel, the director, uh, before he made this movie, and like this is just too perfect for you, John Wayne. I have not seen this movie, but we need to find it. We need to find it and watch it together and talk okay. about. It. He Let made a short film called Attack of the Helping Hand. Oh and no. I'm not kidding. I you like this sounds like I'm making it up, but oh, those no. our loyal listeners know that John Wayne as a child was afraid of the the hand from uh the hamburger helper, the little gloved hand with the face. Uh it's because it, it's evil. It's well, apparently he thought so too, because he made this movie, Attack of the Helping Hand, and that's literally what it is. It's the little gloved hand that's a, like a replica of Hamburger Helper, and he's trying to stalk and murder this woman uh, and molest what? her. And uh, I'm, dude, I know it sounds like I'm making it up, like, but this I looked it up and I was like, holy shit, uh, where do we find this? Movie? We have to find it, we have to find it. 
Yeah, All right, um, if you're out there, if, we, if you know, if you have a link to this or somebody, please reach out to us. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do a deep dive on this. I am going to find this. Because I got to find this shit. Because yeah, I have to face yeah. my fears, dude. You do. You gotta, you I got to face my fears, shit. man. You know? It's the only way I'll get over it. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's too good, man. Too good. Uh, yeah, so I give five stars to Intruder. How about you? Five stars as Fuck well. Yeah. Fuck yeah! Uh, very entertaining. Would would we, would fuck. We agree uh, on movies. We agree on movies sometimes. See? Yeah, we do. And I I would actually like to see more from this guy, uh, and more in this genre, uh, or not genre, more more in this like because I because that's got to be his style. I want to see like other movies that this guy did because that POV shit's got to be like prevalent. Well, you said stuff. you saw Hostel Three and you liked that, uh, and you said you didn't care for Dusk Till Dawn Two, which you also did. Uh, so. But he hasn't done anything like this, like those these kind of the, movies. Too. Those are the ones that. St- I mean, he's done some other stuff. He did this one called like Spring Break and other stuff. But I haven't seen them. I can't really comment on them. Okay. Uh, so but like I said, he I did, thought that he's was maybe like of, his trademark shot thing or something. The way he did it. Well, I I don't know because I haven't seen his his other films. Um, uh, he hasn't done anything that's really been along these lines. I mean, of course, there were these other horror movies that he did, but. I wasn't really interested in seeing the sequel to Dust Till Dawn or any of the Hostel movies, so I didn't watch them. Um, but he, like I, I did say before, he you know did a lot of screenwriting and producing and things like that, so he's done a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, yeah. But really, like those wacky shots were like like we said earlier, it was uh, we, we see a lot of that in Sam Raimi's stuff. So I don't know if that was a collaborative thing. If they oh, both that's yes, I bet that's what it was. Yeah, they both kind. I don't know if they both came out up with that together or if scott was cop- copying sam or if sam was copying scott i don't know this is one of those toby hooper type of situations <laughs> yeah right exactly who was directing it was it toby or steven was it no we'll was never it, know was it george Co- uh cosmatos or was it sylvester <laughs> yeah you're being really rude you know yeah. yep um but uh yeah. yes five out of five i think uh and it is available on amazon prime if you are a streaming service or uh, who puts the special edition Blu-ray that you have? Who uh, uh, it, I can't remember. I think it's Blue Underground. It might be Synapse. But, yeah, there is a special edition uh, multi-format that you can get. It comes with uh, the clips from the short film, all the footage that they have. It comes with behind the scenes and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and they really cleaned it up. It looks really nice. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, I remember like the old uh, tapes of it and stuff where like some of the dark scenes were hard to see. Uh, and, and now you can really see it, or particularly those kill scenes. You can see them in really graphic uh, glory. So definitely check out Intruder. It comes with the vital social seal of approval. Uh, and that mm-hmm. is our slasher of the week, folks. The week. So tune in next week. Do we want to tease the movie we're going to watch at least or no? Do we want to keep we, that under we wraps? Can, we can tease it a little let's bit. Tease yeah. them, tease, let's just leave, let them know the movie and then maybe if people yeah. want to watch it too. That's what true. movie are we? What, what, what's the slasher for next week, Chris? That's a tell, that's tell a good us. point. That's a good point. If you're listening, if you made it this far, uh, you could maybe watch it and then listen to our commentary uh, next week. Uh, we are going to be watching the Spanish slasher from the 1980s called Edge of the Axe, uh, which is available to watch on Shutter right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is going to be interesting because unlike with Intruder, uh, I have not seen this one. Uh, before and so this will be new for you and me and our special and guest me all of us uh you know we have a special guest all none of us have seen it before so we're gonna watch it day before or day of and then yeah, go this is, part 
balls deep into it. So yeah, it's going to be a, a fun this time. Is, this is exciting, uh, you know, because uh, it's very rare uh, to find a slasher movie I haven't seen because I'm really obsessed with them. At least slasher movies that made, were made in the heyday. I know they still make some now, the direct video. I don't really bother with the new ones. But, um, uh, yeah, like stuff from the old days, like 70s, 80s, 90s. Like, I, I've seen them all for the most part because I love them. I collect them. Uh, even the bad ones, I collect them because I'm stupid like that. But uh, this, I'm excited about this because it's one I've heard about before. I've seen the box cover, but uh, the only way you could get it is you had to dish out like 30 bucks for the special edition when it was finally released, uh, re-released. Uh, but I, So I didn't want to do it a blind buy, but now it is on Shutter, and so we're going to watch it. Tune in next week for Edge of the fucking Axe. Edge. And I'll be edging until then, dude. Yeah, you know, we're, uh, you should sign up. You should sit and watch it. You know, we're going to give you the whole seat, but you only need the edge. The edge. <laughs> Just like Boom. the t- You're going to pay for the whole seat, but yep. you'll only use the uh, edge. It's just like at the Tickets to My Gun show. Boom! Oh, <laughs> man. Just like that. People, just you like know that. what you love. You know you love it. Uh, so watch the thing, call the Corey hotline. Maybe you could be the call of the week. Uh, and all summer we are slashing it up. So be prepared. Yeah. Uh, be and prepared. Uh, if you haven't seen Intruder, check it out. Uh, and be prepared to watch Edge of the Blade for next week. Edge of the Axe. Edge of the Axe. I'm sorry, I was edging too hard. That's all right. Okay. I, I understand your excitement. Yes, I'm very excited. All right, we hope you've enjoyed our uh, slasher this week. Tune in next week, and we'll be slashing it up all summer long.